Hey, welcome back again to our message series at Central Heights entitled Words to Live By. Today we get to hear from one of our elders, Aaron Enns, who is the vice chair of our elder board. And Aaron, so glad you could be with us today. Uh, I think people are going to have a lot of fun getting to know you. Um, why, don't you we start, why don't we start early? Tell me about your right. childhood, where you grew up, and what that was like. Tim, thanks for having me. It's great to be here. You know, I grew up in, in Vancouver, South Vancouver, mm-hmm. and uh, I had a mom and a dad. They were both immigrants from immigrant families. My dad came over in his late teens. Oh, wow. Okay. Is essentially illiterate, I figured out later. He had a grade four education, left in turmoil. His father was taken away. He was the oldest of all the kids and helped to look after his mom. And so they, they were like an immigrant family in the south slope of Vancouver where all the immigrants landed. Okay. Well, my mother connected with him through Alder Grove where she grew up. Her parents came here 20 years earlier and she kind of needed to get out of Alder Grove and into the city where she met my dad and married. And they went on to have four boys wow. within two years. And you were one of them. I was one of them. In two years, two years, which means two years, which means identical twin brother. Wow. Yeah. So I have an older brother, twin brother, and a brother a year younger, and then a girl was adopted later, four years later. So I grew up uh, twenty years in the same house. Went to elementary school, mm-hmm. in high South school, Vancouver, South Vancouver, all in South Vancouver. Okay. We were in the area where where nobody really expected students to go on to further education. Okay. Mm-hmm. Right. I never had any homework. <laughs> nice. Right. You got to right. sail through school. Right. right. And my childhood was very simple. I didn't play on any teams, mm-hmm. any, any, any formal teams or anything. We just fooled around in the yard and yeah. rode bikes and skateboards later when they were first coming out, the little, okay. little ones. Now, were there uh, like were there houses all the way to the Fraser River then? Because I yep. know I know the south side, so it was it was yep. all... just not south of Marine. Okay. Yeah, so right. right around 49th and Knight area. Okay. Yeah. All right. I'm very familiar with that area. And someone today told me they tore down the school I went to. It was the first time hundred years it had been there, Sir wow. Sanford Fleming. Did they bit. ask your permission? No, they didn't. Wow, that's and, uh, that's disheartening. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So you know, I didn't have a lot of friends because we had like built-in friends. I realized we just fooled around a lot. I was a bit more dominant than my brothers, it seemed. Uh, I had a bit of an attitude. I I realize now looking back, Hmm. uh, I was that guy that was the agitator, the irritator, the amusing himself at other people's interest. I look back and I'm... That was you. I recognize that was me. Okay. Well, we all change as we grow up. So you graduated from high school. I did. And then did you continue on, you know, what was your educational and vocational path like after that? Path of least resistance was one of my themes at the time. Mm. I knew I wanted to study more. I really loved learning. I loved the human body mm-hmm. and I loved to help people, but I didn't want to take French. And so mm. I didn't know where to go to school. And so, but if you, if you waited a year, you had to have a grade 12 language. and I didn't. Mm. So I went to school right away to Langara. Uh, didn't know what I did to encourage anybody who starts school and has lousy grades. My grade point was 2.63 or 2.65. That's pretty low. I don't know if you should have told us that. I, I know. Mean, we're all going to look know. at you differently. I know, now. right? Oh, there's the guy right? that had the 2.63 so, grade average. I finished first year of science at Langara. Mm. Then I took a, a, a break. Uh, yeah. Did some schooling still. Got a full-time job uh, making some, some money with Finning Tractor. Mm-hmm. But then I, I wanted to go into chiropractic. There's a story behind that, but I immediately went into hmm. 
second year university at UBC, okay. super serious. Yeah. Couldn't have spent more time studying, working so hard, mm. and then went four years to school in Toronto. And I graduated in 1986. Well, for a guy who didn't like to study, that's yeah. like hard. No, no, I liked studying, <laughs> mm -hmm. but still path yeah. of least resistance. Uh, okay, uh, okay. And fast. Okay, so you got, you got that, and then what did you do once you had your chiropractic well, uh, you know, Agreed. graduation, uh, that was a big year for me, 1986. Mm -hmm. Graduation was a bit bittersweet for me because my father wasn't there. Mm -hmm. And uh, he said, well, uh, my mom said, hey, do you want us to come out for your wedding in June or your graduation in May? In 1986, travel wasn't the same as now. Mm -hmm. And I had never been on an airplane before. I went to Toronto, just so wow. you know. and. Wow. Uh, and I said, well, I don't know. I mean, my wedding is way more important than graduation. Uh, mm -hmm. Didn't think much of it. <clears throat> but graduation turned out to be a special day for me. Mm. Uh, it, was, it was, I saw God's hand on my life uh, in, a, in a different kind of way. Uh, there I was in this pomp uh, uh, auditorium with right. all, the, all the ceremony so, that goes yeah. with it at mm -hmm. U of T campus. And uh, although I graduated from a private school, we used their facility for grad. Uh, many political dignitaries were there, and it, it was large. There was 150 people in my class. Mm -hmm. I was the second person to cross that stage the day because they had the, the students that were honors in clinic and honors academically. Uh, I wasn't super strong academically, but enough to be on the honor roll. Yeah. Okay, 84 or something like that. Uh -huh. but, okay. but what surprised me, Tim, was just caught me off guard. He said, Aaron Enns, the Chiropractic Science Award of Excellence. And so they pick a name, these two guys, they picked two me, me and Serge, and we went up there and we got this award for just what the school wanted to mm. really reward for. Good on uh, you. For being, yeah, that yeah. was a complete surprise to me. Mm. And uh, later on, that, that figures into part of my message as okay. to just why was that happening. Okay. So we got married right after that and yeah, came out oh, to BC. Okay, so hang on a second. Mm? You got married to this woman named Vani, who I have traveled with to Mexico when you weren't along. Right. And I have to say, she is an amazing woman. <laughs> so how did that happen? I met Vani at a surprise birthday party. Uh, we were mutual friends uh, with one of my classmates. So uh, Kurt, uh, my mm -hmm. classmate, his wife was friends with Vani. Mm -hmm. And uh, so Leah invited Vani and me. I think she was actually <laughs> hoping we would get to know each other. And we did. You know, when I saw her sitting there, uh, I, I had not been with other Christians. Mm -hmm. It's just like, I was reading my Bible every day. I love mm -hmm. the Lord. But man, I did not identify with the people that I was hanging out with until I saw Vani. I go, there's something different about her. <laughs> it wasn't just her charm and her good right. looks, but to this mm -hmm. day, she, she gets embarrassed if I say this. I says, I looked at her and it was like, there was a string of Christmas lights and her bulb was the only one on. It was like, she was glowing a bit or just like, wow. And it's awkward for me normally with that mm -hmm. same brash sort of agitator, cocky, arrogant right, mindset. Right. I could normally, you know, stare at somebody yeah. and, and, you know, they would have to turn away, obviously. Yeah. But this was awkward because she's looking at me and, oh, yeah, you're staring at me. I'm looking at you. She's and, blushing uh, right now, yeah, by the way. Yeah. So uh, and then uh, it was fast forward right. from there and we got married. Uh, that was nice. in 85. Nice. And you have how many children yourself? Four children and four grandchildren. And were they in three years and two of them are twins? Or No. No. Okay. Eight years, four kids. <laughs> okay. Right. That's still a lot. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, 
Fantastic. So you mentioned that, you know, you're reading scripture, you love the Lord, like, did that start early in life? Did you have a moment in your life where that began? Or it tell us a bit about that part of your definitely story. Definitely raised in a God-fearing, God-loving, God-honoring home. Mm. It was a very good home. Uh-huh. But it wasn't a teaching home. We were not, we, I was not reading scripture. And, and really, what I do recall going forward at an evangelistic crusade. Mm-hmm. It was at the p if you remember, the gardens. And... Mm-hmm. Uh, this is like 50 years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went forward as a seven-year-old, or I'm 59 now, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, whatever. Round Quite up. a while ago, okay. <laughs> yeah. And my brother went forward, and I go, oh, I should go too. And accept Jesus into your heart, mm-hmm. make him the Lord of your life. It was so crowded up in the front. Can you imagine this mm-hmm. little guy in grade two? Mm. That was mm. me. I was serious. Mm. And they hooked me up with a very kind elderly gentleman. And I remember going for a few classes in his house. And it was wonderful. That was it, nice. though. Mm-hmm. Went on to have an active teenage life, mm-hmm. doing full steam, mm-hmm. boy, getting a card at 16, just mm-hmm. expanded the world, and yeah. just kind of self-minded more than anything, mm-hmm. and uh, just didn't really pay attention to much, lived in mom and dad's basement, very minimal costs, and uh, just didn't think about much, yeah. spiritually especially. Yeah. And, uh, and then, but it was when I got to school at 21, all by myself, first time on a plane, went to Toronto, and there I was, hot, really hot, laying in the middle of a field in a playground thing, looking up the stars. And I, I liked singing, mm-hmm. I, I just started singing, in the stars is handy. I stopped singing, mm-hmm. and I thought to myself, wait a second, <laughs> Where'd that his handy work, mm-hmm. okay. Do I really believe mm. that God made all those stars? I thought about that for five seconds or so. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And I kept singing. That was the time when I realized that what I welcomed in Sunday school wasn't compatible with what I eagerly just took in at public school. Mm. On public school, we still had the chart on the wall where there was the ape and finally the man Mm -hmm. with the suitcase, the whole evolution model. And in Sunday school, we also had a little banner up on top. It was Noah and the ark and all the little Mm. kids and Adam and Eve, they were all there. And I go, oh, that's really cool. When can I go and play with my friends and everything? But I took it all (laughs) in as if it was all fact. That night, I realized they were not compatible worldviews. And so that was very, uh, it was a, a one moment for me. Yeah. Wow, that's neat. And I started figuring out who am I when nobody is watching? My mm, parents aren't here, my right. friends aren't here. I do not know one person. I could, I could say my name is something else. Yeah, I prefer to be called mm. so-and-so. No, I went with my given name. Who am I, what do I do? Do I go to church? And I decided, no, I'm gonna read the Bible. My parents had given me a Bible, mm. I read it every night. Mm. That's beautiful. Hey, I can't wait to hear more of your story, as I'm sure we all are looking forward to. Um, Today, you're going to um, talk to us out of a scripture in in the Bible that's impacted your life. And God bless you as you do that today, Aaron. Thanks, Tim. It's great to be here. Hmm. Let me share a verse with you. This verse popped into my head. It's like I just got off the phone, distraught, and it's like, as for me and my house... We will serve the Lord. It just was right there. If, there was, if I was in my head, I would be putting my foot down. No. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And you know, that really did set the course for the next part of my life. 
I stopped doing two things. And I, I realize now as I reflected more on this passage for this message, there are two things that I changed from that. You see, I was a chiropractor, a young chiropractor, just started her own practice. And I realized that it wasn't just about helping people get better. I love that part. But you know, there was the business component, which I wasn't naturally good at, but I needed to get better at. So I sought out some consultants to help me. We were renting, we needed a home, we had two children already, and boy, I felt some pressure. And so I went to some practice managements and they started telling me, Aaron, you've got to do this, you've got to say this to your patients. I was getting some turmoil. Really, do I have to do that? Well, if you wanna be successful and have, make money and have everything that goes on, along with that, you've gotta get comfortable with doing this. And I was not getting comfortable. There's another thing that struggled inside me, but I didn't realize it until the phone rang that day. I'd been passionate about learning more about Jesus, more about God, more about scripture. Where did it come from? Why is it here? It doesn't make any sense. Is it a solid worldview? I had so much training. I had done four years in chiropractic school. Much of it is very scientific. I was so excited that everything I read, there was an excellent explanation, a very credible explanation as to why it exists, and it's consistent with the biblical story. So as I was reading, I, 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 was, I was taking the opportunities to, if something was in town, I went to it. In this case, there was an evening talk that just caught my attention. The title of it, it was at Seven Oaks Alliance back in about 89 or 91. Uh, 1991, and the topic was Christians in hell. Christians in hell, I'm thinking, that's crazy. Christians are going to heaven. So I went, and the man said, actually, I've, it's a trick topic. Christians are going to heaven. But the thing is, deception is one of the marks at the end of the age. People will think they're right, but they're actually wrong. That's the definition of being deceived. I go, wait a second. That's me. I always think I'm right. <gasps> what if I'm wrong? Maybe I could be one of those people that I thought I was a Christian, and then I, I don't know if you wake up in hell, but here I am in hell. I don't know, if could that be me? And he went on to explain five points. If you could answer yes to all of these, you can be assured that when you die, you will go to heaven. I checked them all, yes, and I felt relieved, and I'm driving home. And as I drove home, I, I not only had relief, I go, whew, phew. That was good, but I felt a heaviness. One of my best friends in my crazier, fun, kind of selfish years, uh, 19, 20, 18, uh, just all over the place in cars, and uh, I had a really good friend I hung out with, and I was thinking about him. Just a side note of one of the fun things we did with him, just thinking back, he had a Monte Carlo, that was a cool car. He was a cool guy. I loved hanging out with him. He was somewhat better looking than I was, so a lot of the girls would notice him. But that was all right. We enjoyed just going everywhere, seeing all the sights. And we actually did a tour where we hit all the water slides we could possibly hit. And uh, that was a fun memory. And we went to racquetball tournaments. That was fun. But I was heavy-hearted as I drove home. I thought, man, you know, I haven't talked to him in like six years. I'd gone away to school, I got married, and, and you know, the Lord had really changed my heart and my life since then. I, I wasn't thinking the same way. 
But I really felt for him. I'd lost touch. I walked into the, to the house where Vani and the two kids were. It was late now after this talk about Christians in hell. And the phone rang. Those days, the phone was mounted on the wall still. It was like hanging on a cord for sure. And the phone rang. I walk over, pick it up. Oh, hi. I says, well, that's interesting. I was just thinking of you. And he said on the other line, he's always a bit of a joker. He says, oh, well, that's weird because I was sitting at the kitchen table and I felt moved to come over and call you. Really? And I'm thinking this is a real God moment and we're on the same page and ha ha ha, just kidding. Oh, okay. All right. So bottom line is I said, listen, at the risk of offending you, I, I want to ask to examine your faith. And uh, I asked him a couple of the questions and he stopped me before I got even to question number three. And he said, Aaron, I'm glad you mentioned this because I don't see things quite as simply as you do. Well, what do you mean? I said, I just believe the Bible from cover to cover. Well, it's a good book. Hmm, I thought, well, I believe that Jesus is the son of God. Well, he's the son of Mary and you know, and I couldn't remember much less uh, else left from the conversation, but I left that and I was thinking now. My mind was filled with these two problems I had. If I wanted to retain my popularity and acceptance with some of my best friends, you know, I, the, these, these opinions I held, they weren't compatible. So I, I need to have some flexibility if I'm gonna keep some fame and notoriety. And I thought of that day when Jesus was being tempted. He was tempted with a couple things. Well, I felt like, Hello, if you want to get money and wealth and business, you've got to start doing it this way. If you want friends and popularity, you've got to do it this way. And I, that's when I just put my foot down inside my head and said, no. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So that was exciting. Uh, from then on, God has been super faithful. I've just decided right then and there to just incline or lean my heart in or just to love the Lord, and he's been so faithful. Let me read a couple of the verses that are in Joshua there as we look at what did he actually say to the people. Joshua 24, 14. Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your forefathers worshiped beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your forefathers served beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you're living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. And a little further down in verse 23, now then said Joshua, throw away the foreign gods that are among you and yield your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. And the people said to Joshua, we will serve the Lord our God and obey him. So what was going on here? Like, it was Moses. Moses, he chose, he handpicked Joshua to be his successor, and, and he made a nice transition. But now Joshua was getting old. He was probably 110 years old or so, and he knew he was not going to last much longer. So he called the nation of Israel, the rulers, the leaders, the elders, and he brought them to a place called Shechem. And there's probably a big oak tree and a large stone there. If you've read the Bible, you know that that big stone was very significant. The forefather, one of the great fathers of, of the entire earth, I'm not even kidding about that, a third or more of the earth will have incredible respect for the man called Abraham. All of Christians respect him, all of Judeo 
Muslims, they all look to Abraham as an actual guy who had promises given to him. This was the rock where there was an incredible promise given to him. Joshua took them to that spot. He says, listen, you people, I know it's going pretty soft for you right now. You don't remember fighting, but you were living in the land of the Amorites. They had their customs and their gods and the things that they were doing, the things that were culturally cool that day. Listen, I want you to set that aside, and, and I really want you to, to follow the ways that Moses taught us from the Lord. And if you don't find that de desirable, just choose today who you're going to serve. Now, if you read that passage, and I recommend you do, uh, as many people do as they get a little older, if they keep their wits about them, Joshua didn't hold back any words at all. I want you to read that there. There's incredible blessing and there's incredible consequences there. That's for you to read. So I read that verse. I go, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So I'm wondering how that applies to us today. Uh, I, I, I made a table. Uh, let's refer to my table here. The table talks about the passage. Uh, I've got three sections here you'll notice. There's the passage that's in the scripture, my life, how it affected me, and then there's today's application on how that could affect you or me today, how it's affecting me. You know, uh, the old guy speaking, Joshua, uh, he was getting old, advanced in years, and he said, choose today who you will serve. And why did he say that? Because it will go well for you. And that's what Josiah, uh, Joshua did. Uh, if you remember Joshua, uh, he was one of the two bold spies that came back and said, we can do this with the Lord's help, we can do this. It was Joshua and Caleb. It was that Joshua, a younger man. And, and he was an outstanding character and he followed Moses. He saw so many miracles. That was his life. He followed the Lord wholeheartedly. So when he says, choose this day who you will serve and incline your heart toward the Lord, he had experience and he was anticipating what life was going to be like after he died. And so he's passing on his wisdom with as much emphasis as he could. You know, I had a similar experience and this is perhaps why the mood, remember I said in my head, I go, no, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I felt like my death was imminent. Just before that, my father had passed away from stomach cancer. Uh, incidentally, my dad was just one month older than 60. I'm turning 60 in September this year. Uh, and it's like, I'm really thinking a lot about my dad and and I now know what it's like to live in a body that he would have had if he had not had cancer. But there he was, he suffered for 18 months. And you know, that was a growing time for me as a believer. Uh, what does it mean uh, to have a loved one? And I, I really loved my dad uh, for him to suffer. But you know, as things got worse, he got smaller and smaller and he wasted away. And, and uh, I remember where he was laying in his own bed. He wanted to die at home and we, we laid him on this sheepskin and, uh, and now it was getting close to the end, so we're trying to get all the kids together. And he had two grandkids at the time. And I said to him at night at 10 o'clock, I was tucking him in, and we, he liked ice chips just rubbed on his, his uh, lips. That was a bit of comfort for him. I said, Dad, tomorrow Aiden will be here, and then 
all of us will be together. And he said to me, he could still talk, he was very clear-minded, but as the skin was stretched across the bones of his face, he says, yeah, if I don't see you tomorrow, I'll see you in heaven. That was at 10 o'clock, and at one o'clock our phone rang, and we were over there in eight minutes, and he was gone. The, and it was uh, very real to me there. We walked into the room, and, and uh, it was over. And so with that in mind, that was right at the time where I had that, that, uh, that encounter with, as for me and my house. It shaped me. And so when I think of jo uh, Joshua speaking to the people, I think of my dad. And I, you know, for me, it, it, does, it does resonate with where I'm at. Uh, he says, if I don't see you tomorrow, I'll see you in heaven. And that was profound. I mentioned my dad came uh, from a humble beginning and uh, was relatively illiterate, didn't do much reading, but he was a good, faithful, kind, honest, God-loving man. But in his later years, I said, Dad, how do you feel about everything, getting sick and everything? He says, you know, I'm actually thankful because he was introduced to the Holy Spirit and he had a light in his eyes that he didn't have beforehand. He was a harder man. He became softer and more tender to the Holy Spirit. And he started to migrate more to my mom's style of churches, which had more, a lot of uh, charisma in them. And he, he just loved it and loved singing. And, and he, he lit up with that. So when he said, well, if I don't see you tomorrow, I'll see you in heaven. That impacted me as in, the short years I have left. If you think that maybe I'll live another however many years, 50 years or so at the time or, or so, how small is 50 years to all of eternity? It does seem like it's just like in an instant I'll be gone. Choose today who you will serve because what you do with the rest of your life from today can make a long time difference. So that, that really impacted me. And so I just want to say that uh, today's, today's choice is right there for you. And so I chose uh, the two things that, that I would not engage in is uh, uh, business practices that didn't suit me. I also chose uh, to just have my, my heart bonded the closest to people that had the same love for the Lord that I did. I chose that my identity and my friends, my closest, deepest friends would be those that love the Lord and, and uh, like I do. Uh, and so today's application for that is like do the same thing. Figure out what is it that you might be hanging on to? What is it that you might be living amongst that, that might be influencing you? And you're thinking, you know what? Pray about it. And maybe the Lord wants you to leave that behind and just lean into him. And some of your friends, if you find yourself identifying with some of your best friends, uh, that aren't the Lord, just ask yourself the tough question that is this someone that God really wants you to, to be with at the level of intimacy? Perhaps you're just his influence in their life. Just pray about these things. God will lead and direct you. Uh, what does that mean to incline your or yield your heart to the Lord? Uh, for me, it meant to serve and love all the people with the gifts that he's given me. And, and with the strength that he given me, specifically as a husband, as a dad, and, and now a grandfather, but also in my job as a chiropractor, I really seek to serve people. And you know, it's just, just now I've completed, uh, it's been about 35 years since graduation. And just yesterday, 
a woman said to me, this is sadly her husband died a, uh, a sad death. He had cancer in his brain and, and he had gotten worse and he had pain in his chest and his back. And I had seen him infrequently over the years. And she said to me yesterday, as she was crying after we gave her a sympathy card, she said, you know, I just want you to know you had a major impact in Gary's life. I'm thinking, well, I had hardly seen him. You know, when he was in the ambulance right at the end, going to the hospital just before he died, he wanted you. I thought that was profound. And he was a gentleman that came to Christ as an adult. And uh, he said, why didn't anybody tell me that if you're a Christian, you have power in his name in the spiritual world? And it had changed his life. He slept so much better. His family was so much better. And uh, that made a difference. And so when I look at serving the Lord in your occupation, he can use you. He can use me. Uh, just yield yourself to him and, and uh, he, will, he will bless you and others through that yielding. It also means uh, that we love and serve those around us and reflecting our love for God. You know, the other thing I've enjoyed doing over the years was uh, engaged in, in free time with volunteer work, uh, using gifts and abilities. And I thought I would just be something very humble, like my father was, uh, very humble. He was an usher. And uh, I got tapped on the shoulder a number of times to ask to be if I would be one of the elders. And uh, I said no many times. And then uh, back just before I was 30, so maybe 28, 29, is the first time I became an elder. And I think I probably haven't been uh, serving as an elder for maybe seven years between then and now. Uh, but that has been an honor. It's, it's just, it's as if I feel like that graduation day. Like, I just thought I was an ordinary student amongst everybody. But as I look back, uh, people would sometimes ask, how or why did you do that? I don't know. Doesn't everybody know this? And so the Lord has given you things that just come naturally to you. Just say yes when people tap onto you. Or if the pastor says, hey, we need some volunteers to do this or that. You feel a little tugging in your heart? Just go. It's, it's, it's such a delight to serve. And... Uh, the other thing is uh, I also served in other capacities uh, with uh, Teen Challenge. I also served uh, over the years uh, overseas as a, with the Christian missionary chiropractors. And I've seen the love of Jesus in, in Africa, Ukraine, other parts of Europe. And uh, I just tell you, uh, for me personally, I have looked at the different ways to live life I have modeled my life after a leader, after a man who came and he said, hey, follow me. Do what I tell you to do. Be my servant. It'll go well for you. I will give you new life. I will give you joy. I will give you love. I will give you no fear of death. It sounds all good. The reason why I'm going with Jesus is because of the empty grave. He died just like he said he did. And then he rose from the dead in bodily form. Nobody else has ever done that. I'm in. I'm sold out for following Jesus. Thanks so much for your time today. It's a joy to serve here.